name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I began this series of sermons on Monday by talking about the church during Lent and the dominion of sin and using some of the images from the great litany and making the point that the church is a counterculture when we talk about being sinners. Uh, We see that as descriptive of human nature, whereas the culture outside sees it as negative. And we painted a picture of the dominion of sin in terms of the choices we make and putting ourselves first and how that distorts our relationship uh, with God and others. Uh, Yesterday, uh, we looked at the disciples in terms of those same issues and from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John and in that 22nd chapter of Luke, the Last Supper, At the end of the Last Supper, the disciples getting into a dispute about which one of them was the greatest. And then we looked at Simon Peter and his life and those words, famous words, uh, I am not. I am not a disciple of his. Three times before the cock crew and then looked at how the resurrected Jesus by the Sea of Tiberias uh, in confronting Simon Peter after the resurrection, was able to enter into his heart so that he saw himself for whom he was. Because in the beginning he said, I will lay down my life for you. And of course he did not know himself. But after that gracious and wonderful and frightful confrontation with his Lord, uh, he was able to see himself. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus was then ready to say to him, uh, feed my sheep. Now, when I think of the, of the gospel story, the wonderful narrative of the gospel, oftentimes the words that come to my mind over and over again are the words from the beginning of the gospel. And they go, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the gospel will tell us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I find myself at the, in the Lenten season wanting to bow before that uh, with adoration and worship uh, for the wonderful gift of God's love and grace in the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are awesome events that, that require us just to sit there and to kneel and to meditate and to ask God to fill us with meaning from them. Uh, this afternoon, I would like to look at another event, which I regard almost as an icon that picks all of those things up. Uh, but it's visible uh, in a way that it reveals the majestic work of God. Uh, but in a way that uh, I think we can get our minds wrapped around it. Uh, And it's the foot washing in the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. Now before the feast of the Passover, 
When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not know now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. This passage from the Gospel of John does not include the information in, in the events in that passage from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke that we read yesterday when Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper. And that passage simply said, Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them with the words, This is my body. And then that famous statement, a jealous dispute, broke out among them about who was the greatest. And now we see in this passage here in John, Jesus acting out his teaching uh, in a parable, almost like an Old Testament image of the summer fruit. And he put aside his garments and he took a basin of water and a towel around his waist and washed the feet of the, of the disciples and dried them with a towel. This theme here in the foot washing is the same theme that we find in the gospel narratives, in the Bethlehem narrative or in the narrative of the cross. All of those events of self-emptying a point, if you will, uh, to a God who emptied himself. Though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Hear how St. John introduces the foot washing. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he comes from God and returns to God, rises from supper, took a towel and girded himself. That says that this act is done in full awareness of who he is, aware of his divine majesty and the power that belongs to him. He demonstrates what God's majesty is like. Think about that. Who would think of God in terms of foot washing? He demonstrates what the heart of God is like by washing the disciples' feet. And the Gospel of John underscores that in the next chapter, in the ninth, ninth verse, when it says, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The foot washing reveals, if you will, the heart 
and the majesty of God. God, the creator, the sovereign ruler of the universe, shows his glory to the world, to you and to me, by emptying himself. And the humble glory of God is seen throughout the gospel narratives, again in Bethlehem, on the cross, and now here in the foot washing. What we see here in this narrative is the amazing humility and patience of God towards you and me. Secondly, look at Peter's reaction. He objected, if you will, uh, to Jesus washing his feet. Uh, he was a disciple, and that seemed to make sense. How it, uh, Jesus was the master, not he. Uh, why would he let the master wash his feet? It just really didn't make sense. And Jesus said to him, You do not understand now what I am doing, but one day you will. And if I do not wash you, you are not in fellowship with me. Then, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus was talking about the washing by the blood of the cross. And Peter thought he was talking about the water in the basin. What we see here is the real test of humility. Are we willing to receive from others? Are we willing to be served by others? I can do it myself. If you stop and think about ministry as, as we practice it, whether lay or ordained, whether priest, deacon, bishop, or, or disciple, uh, we are busy or should be busy following the example of Jesus Christ, serving others, the homeless and the hungry and those in need and those who are sick. And we follow the teaching of the scripture that says, Inasmuch as you have done it under one of the least of these, my brethren, uh, you have done it unto me. But the question here is, do we let the God of the cross serve us first? Arthur Michael Ramsey, who was the 100th Archbishop of Canterbury, had a meditation on this passage. And he says that God comes to wash us from all that he hates to see in us, a washing to our very core. That's what that litany was all about that I read from on Monday, talking about from blindness of heart, from pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy, from envy, hatred, and malice, and, and all uncharitableness. When we are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the service that we render to others touches them deeply because it goes to the very heart of life. It is, if you will, one sinner washed by the blood of Jesus Christ serving another. Have you ever heard somebody say, I love caring for those less fortunate? All sinners are in the same boat. Uh, there is no such thing as someone less fortunate than another. And when the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us to our core, then when we go out and minister in his name to others, uh, that's when things uh, can really happen. And so that's why this Lent I'd like for you to focus on this foot washing because I think it's an acted out parable. It's an icon that gathers up all the service of God in a very simple way uh, so that we can see it. It's the glory and the majesty of God which points to the incarnation and to the cross 
to the glory of God that is coming to us in humble service. And the question that we as Christians need to ask over and over again, are we willing to let God serve us? Are we willing to let the one who died on the cross, who emptied himself for us, come into our lives and the blood of that cross change that ego in the middle and put it uh, in its proper place? It reminded me as I thought about this, about an experience that I had in the parish a number of years ago uh, when I had the husband of one of my parishioners and uh, another vestry member uh, suffering from alcoholism. The husband of my parishioner was a very, very fine doctor and surgeon. And he was having a problem with drinking and we uh, got together. Uh, I prayed for him, but we didn't get very far because uh, confession and the admission of weakness was not something uh, that he was able to do. Uh, we worked at it. And the only thing that I was able to do was nine years later to bury him. I had lunch with his psychiatrist not long after that because we played bridge together. And this is not his name, but he said, you know, uh, Ed, I was Ben's psychiatrist, uh, and the thing that amazed me about him is he was one of the most brilliant men I ever met. He was smarter, much smarter than I am. But he said I was utterly unable to help him. I was utterly unable to get in. Now, my other friend, who was an alcoholic and a wonderful uh, businessman, and we uh, started saying our prayers together, uh, and I got him to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, and we had a, a support group additionally in the parish, a prayer group uh, that, uh, that worked together. Uh, and uh, he's been dry now for 32 years. And I remember the conversation that we had about this some time ago. He said, Ed, you know, as long as I believe that by my own willpower I could handle drinking, I stayed an active drunk. When I admitted that I couldn't do it and that I needed a higher, higher power to help me uh, and our prayers and the work that I did with AA, he said, I was able not to drink when I admitted that I couldn't control it. Something happened. And I said, yes, this is not his name, Philip, what happened? You changed management. You fired the ego and let the Lord come into your life. And when that happened, his life changed. And so the foot washing, talking about washing the disciples' feet, uh, is a parable to tell us that we desperately need to let our Lord Jesus Christ wash our feet by the blood of the cross and to heal us from the very inside to the roots of our being. And when we do that, uh, we can minister in his name and not just feed people, but fill people uh, to the very core because we see life uh, as, we, as the scripture sees it. We see that dominion of sin 
that defines through our choices what happens when we are not able to let God into our lives. And that's why I like to focus in this third uh, sermon today on the foot washing because I think that's the parable of the self-emptying of God that we can see. And to ask the question, are we willing to let God serve us and to forgive us our sins and those things that we need to let go? And so in that 13th chapter, it says that he returned to the table and said, You call me Lord and Master, and well you say it, for I am indeed. If then I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do to one another as I have done to you. And then he said, If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Amen.